Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96 Comcast Xfinity and Channel 30 Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. The Ugly Truth About Rat Poison by Amy Saltzman. As winter descends and rats move into homes to find a place to nest, more people may be tempted to use poison to solve the problem. But what many don't understand is rat poison has a chain reaction. It is leading to dangerous exposure and death among a high number of wild animals, according to researchers. It's ironic because we are killing the same animals that would help reduce rodent populations like owls, foxes, coyotes. These animals are out there and they could be killing and eating the rats to reduce the populations, but we're killing them along with the rats, said John Mangaranis, the Belmont's animal control officer. Diane Welsh, Arlington's animal control office and local birds of prey expert loves to take her red-tailed hawk, Autumn, out for hunts. She trained for two years in an apprenticeship to be able to do so, but what was once a favorite pastime has turned into a source of anxiety. It's our fourth hunting season together, but now I'm afraid for her to uh, <clears throat> I'm afraid for her to let her go. And that's a first for me, said Welsh, who has been a licensed falconer for 24 years. It's because rat poison is just rampant. It's just everywhere. It's in your soil. It's in everything. Birds of prey are susceptible to poisoning due to their diet, but so are coyotes, foxes, bobcats, and even dogs and cats. Welsh's sister had a dog that died after eating a poisoned rodent in Maine. Majoranus recently found two owlets who were dying due to ingesting rat poison and food brought to them by their mother. Their parents picked up a dead or dying rat and fed it to them, he said. Their nest was on a tree on residential property near Marsh and Winter Streets. He said he also hasn't seen the mother who is easily recognizable in Belmont due to her bad left eye. The death is a slow one for the rats, which can live up to 10 days after ingesting poison, as well as those that feed on them, Welsh said. Anticoagulant rodenticides, the most common form of rat poison, is designed to thin rodents' blood to the point where they bleed to death internally. The toxic compounds can accumulate within the liver tissue of wildlife over time. As a result, animals can potentially get a toxic dose if they eat several exposed prey, according to Dr. Maureen Murray, the assistant director of Tufts Wildlife Clinic at Cummings Veterinary Medical Center at Tufts University. Many local animal control offices, including Cambridge's, brings injured or sick wildlife to the Tufts Clinic. 
It's nasty stuff. The animal ends up choking on its own blood because its blood has just turned to water, said Welch. It's a terrible death. Mangeranis said that there are safer alternatives like stuffing dried ice down a rat burrow and covering it or using a device called a rat zapper. You don't have to use a blanket poison that kills everything. You can be humane about it and still reduce numbers, he said. Dr. Murray said it's important to differentiate between exposure and death when talking about the effects of rat poison. Since 2006, Murray has been conducted as conducted two separate studies on for bird of prey species, the red-tailed hawk, barrel owl, great horned owl, and the eastern screech owl. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the first study, spanning from 2006 to 2010, postmortems were conducted on 161 birds. 86% had exposure to anticoagulant rodenticide. Murray did a second study from 2012 to 2016 with 94 birds and found 96% exposed. The majority of the birds in the studies were victims of some kind of trauma, but also, it turns out, had exposure to anticoagulants. The food chain, she said, is extensively contaminated. The exposure rates are so high, it's almost all the birds, said Murray. Those birds are coming from a fair representation of the state, too, not just extreme western or east or southeastern. By no means is the exposure restricted to cities. There's no difference between an animal eating the poison directly or through a mouse or rat because the poison remains in active form inside the rodent, Murray said. When wildlife has been exposed to a high or toxic dose, Murray said the symptoms are apparent to her and are the same signs presented in a rat or mouse. How much poison it takes to kill is unique to each animal, so therefore hard to pinpoint. She said sometimes the clinic's doctors can save the animal and sometimes they can't. And now to my colleague Claire. Thank you, Bob. Meet Belmont's new Belmont Youth Coordinator by Joanna K. Zuvelis. Belmont's Health Department recently hired a new part-time youth coordinator, Marissa Melanson. Melanson will be responsible for creating programs for Belmont youth through collaboration and communication with the soon-to-be re-established Belmont Youth Commission, connecting youth to community service opportunities offering educational events and skill-building workshops for Belmont youth and providing local, regional, and national resources to youth. The Belmont Youth Commission disbanded about 10 years ago due to lack of funding, according to former Board of Health Director Dr. David Alper, who retired from the board in 2017. The selectmen are seeking five to seven candidates to serve. Why do you think it's important to have someone in your position for Belmont? I think having someone in this role is important so that all youth, including those that are not interested in school-related extracurricular activities, such as sports, have local activities and programs they can participate in. The Youth Commission will provide youth youth with safe, fun, 
and entertaining programs and activities to participate in while keeping them actively involved in the community. What do you hope to accomplish in the next year? Our primary goal is to establish the Youth Commission as it is currently non-existent. In the meantime, I will be communicating with other local youth commissions to understand what types of events and programs they host. I also hope to meet with some of Belmont's youth to understand their interests and desires for programming. Once the commission is established, we will work on creating programs and events for youth that are entertaining and engaging. How will you work with the Youth Commission once it's appointed? Myself and the Belmont Youth Commission will work together in devising and creating youth-centric programs and activities for the town's youth. The Commission will provide me with guidance and we will continually collaborate about the pressing and emerging needs of youth so that programs may be tailored accordingly. What kind of activities do you envision for middle school students? After-school activities and activities for early release days, such as free movie showings. Ideally, if space can be found, we would like to create a youth center where kids can relax, spend time with friends, play games or sports, and start homework. Various skill-building workshops that will depend on the interests of youth. Some possibilities may include cooking classes, babysitter training, or self-defense classes. Co-sponsored events to help youth and the community build relationships with small businesses. And finally, um, possibly a peer leadership program. Now over to Max. Thank you, Claire. <coughs> the friendly face behind the UPS truck. Longtime UPS delivery driver and Belmont resident shares ups and downs from 31 years of deliveries by Abby Patkip. For 15 years, the brown UPS truck has been a welcome sight to many who live and work in Wellesley, both for the packages and for the woman delivering them. Lauren Leonerton of Belmont has been delivering packages with UPS for just over 31 years, 15 of which she spent working in Wellesley. Three decades take some dedication, but with customers like Leonerton's, delivery routes feel less like a chore. The people, she explained, are the best part of her job. Seeing the people, seeing how happy they are when I deliver their packages, it's helping the people and all my customers appreciating what I do for them. And it's the people, the kids she's watched grow up and the new families she's welcomed to town that make her upcoming retirement bittersweet. I'll miss the people, Leonardton said. That's what I'll miss most when I retire at the end of December. Because they became friends. They weren't just customers, they were friends. So that's what I'm going to miss. The feeling is mutual. When news of Leonardton's retirement hit Wellesley, well-wishers flocked to community Facebook group, What's Up Wellesley, to share their favorite memories. Often they recall Leonardton went out of her way to lend a hand or put a smile on someone's face. If a package needed to be signed for and the customer wasn't home, for example, Leonardton made sure to leave a note and swing back around later so they wouldn't have to wait another day. And during a winter storm a few years ago, Wellesley resident Mary Bowers told the townsman, My driveway had huge balls of ice from the town plow. There was no way I could chop them, but needed to get my car out of the driveway to drive to work. Lauren was making a delivery across the street and knew I was old and came to the rescue, Bowers recalled. 
She chopped away, working up a sweat. The decision to help Bowers was a no-brainer, Leonerton recalled. I happened to be driving down the street, and I stopped the truck and said, let me get that. Not that she can't do it, but I didn't hesitate to help her, she said. It's just me. It's just my personality. I'm there to help out whoever needs help. Her kindness and hard work, hard-working spirit have taken her far, but now Leonerton is due for a break. I'm just looking forward to relaxing a bit and just kind of getting out of the fast pace that I've been doing for the past 31 years. It's been more than half my life, so that's why I've got to learn to relax a little, she laughed. Still, Leonerton plans for an active retirement. I'll tone it down a little, but still keep myself busy, she explained. An athlete, she intends to keep playing in the Schofield School's annual fundraiser basketball game just as she has the last few years. While retirement holds some fun things in store for Leonerton, who lives in Belmont during the week but plans on relocating to Maine full-time, there are things she'll miss from her delivery days. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. <clears throat> Assistant Town Administrator appointed by Joanna K. Zavallis. Town Administrator Patrice Garvin officially appointed Arlington's Recreation Director John Marshall as Belmont's assistant town administrator on December the 17th, at, at December 17th's selectman meeting. According to Belmont Human Resources Director Jessica Porter, Marshall was chosen from a pool of three applicants. He will begin January 22nd, earning $125,523.55 annually. 90% of Marshall's responsibility in his role will be overseeing Belmont's Recreation Department, which previously had been handled by Public Works Director Jay Marcotte. The Recreation Department has been without a director since the retirement of William McKinney in 2011. Marshall, a uh, Natick resident, has been Arlington's Recreation Director since September of 2016. Prior to that, he was Natick's Recreation Director for four years, and prior to that, he was Natick's Program Director since 2004. Prior to that, I had every part-time recreation job imaginable. I got to be a lifeguard in the summer camp, a counselor. It was a great experience for what I'm doing now, and it was my first step into municipal government. I think recreation has really paved the way for where I am now and what I want to do in the future, said Marshall. Marshall said he is very impressed with the level of effort and volunteerism that residents put to make Belmont a great community and he's looking forward to working with the residents. His initial goals are to meet with all of the stakeholders and get an idea of the needs of Belmont residents and the highest priorities. Areas that he hopes to improve are the finances for the Recreation Department. He said he watched the December 10th Selectman meeting when Collins Center presented their report and discussed the possibility of bringing the Recreation Department into an enterprise fund. There are certainly some benefits in doing that, trying to reduce the impact of the Recreation Department on the general fund. I think it's something that's certainly doable if there's enough demand in the community to increase the programming and to look at the fees we're charging to try to be as cost, reco as cost recovery as possible, he said. 
Marshall's experience with enterprise funds includes overseeing a golf course when he was recreation director in Natick. He sees opportunities to fill gaps for age groups and times of year when the programs are offered and to add STEM programming and expand on sports opportunities and youth programs in the community. If we can grow the volume of programs offered, we could keep the costs low and at the same time try to be as cost recovery as possible, said Marshall. June Howell, Recreation Program Supervisor, said it's time for this position. They have desperately needed someone to help the department grow and generate revenue for the town, she said. Anthony Ferrante, chairman of the Recreation Commission, said he thinks Marshall is the right fit to move the department forward. I like that he has a strong background in recreation. His experience in Arlington and Natick, it's win-win. He ultimately wants to become a town administrator. This gives him an opportunity to play to his strengths, this, currently, this current experience, and gives him an opportunity to grow in his career, he said. The purpose of the position is to assist the town administrator with a variety of complex administrative, budget, and technical duties in the daily administration of town government while serving as the Recreation Department Executive Director and implementing the town's Recreation Department strategic plan, which includes organizational identity and community connections, according to the job description provided by Porter. And now over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. New Year, New Hockey Rink, But Where? by Adrian Thomas. The Skip Verglirillo skating rink is more than four decades old. It continues to serve the Belmont community, but some town officials are starting to push for a replacement, a state-of-the-art facility to serve the town's needs. Selectman Tom Caputo has been pushing the conversation on the new skating rink in its early conceptual stages. A lot of the systems are failing, and each year there is a question as to whether or not we'll be able to successfully open the rink, said Caputo. The demand for hockey and recreational programs are increasing. Although the new hockey rink does not have a building committee of its own yet, Caputo hopes a proposed construction project can be brought to town meeting in May. The early stages of the proposed rink call for it to be built through a public-private partnership. This means the town will partner with a private entity tasked with funding construction and operational costs of the facility. The hope is that the new rink could be built at little or no cost to the Belmont taxpayer, said Caputo. The construction and ongoing operating costs will be covered by usage fees administered by the public-private partnership. More specifically, the potential funding operating approach, briefly outlined at the special town meeting in November, entailed the town providing an extended lease to which private entity builds and operates the facility. This means the private partner will raise private capital to fund, build, and operate the facility. In turn, the town will have priority access to the rink, meaning Belmont hockey teams and the recreation department have preferred access. Local example, examples of public-private partnership projects include a swimming and health club in Concord, 
and a multi-purpose athletic facility in Wellesley. There are two proposed sites for the new rink, the first being where the current facility is now on Belmont High School's campus to the left of Harris Field or on the land of the former incinerator site on Concord Ave. Issues with the former incinerator site location. Belmont's environmental engineering consultant, Bruce Haskell of Langdon Environmental, sent a letter to Director of Community Development, Glenn Clancy, on December 11, outlining significant considerations with the construction of a rink on top of the landfill at the former incinerator site on Concord Ave, which include timing, the foundations, and procurement requirements. First would be timing, due to the process of permitting the closure of the landfill in compliance with the state's solid waste management regulations. The process requires a series of permit applications and would take two to three years before cap construction can commence, wrote Haskell. According to Haskell in his letter, the process to obtain a permit for post-closure use as an ice rink would take three to four years to complete. Now over to Max. Thanks, Claire. Selectman narrowed down list of potential uses for former incinerator site by Joanna K. Savellis. On J- January 7th, the Board of Selectmen met to discuss and narrow down the list of potential post-closure options for the 25-plus acres of land on Concord Ave, which consists of land formerly used to incinerate waste in Belmont and currently used for public works material storage. The uses for the two parcels currently being considered are open space slash passive use, solar photovoltaic PV slash storage, hockey rink, bike and skate park, and anaerobic digestion. Anaerobic digestion. According to Bruce Haskell of Landon Environmental LLC, the environmental engineer consultant hired by the town, an anaerobic digester, is a facility that accepts organic materials and breaks them down without adding oxygen. The process generates methane, natural gas, that is burned to generate electricity. Residue from the organic materials, after being digested, are removed from the site for reuse. The facility would require engineering and operational controls for potential odors and would bring additional truck traffic to Concord Avenue. On November 5th, the selectmen approved spending $8,250 from the town's administrator's budget on a feasibility study for a commercial-scale food waste anaerobic digestion facility on the site. The purpose of the study is to assess the technical and economic feasibility of an anaerobic digestion facility on the former incinerator site and estimate the potential monetary benefits to the town assuming the facility is constructed, financed, and operated by a private developer. The results of the feasibility study were expected to be discussed at the January 7th Selectman meeting. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. (coughs) New Year, New Role for Budget Analyst by Joanna K. Zavallis. Glenn Castro has held the position of town analyst for the town administrator's office for the past eight years. Beginning on December 24th, his position has been reclassified as budget director, making him a department head. Castro's current salary as budget analyst (coughs) is $93,433.18. 
As budget director, his salary will change to $102,679.51. Gavin said this would only affect the town budget by $1,500 in fiscal 2020. The Belmont Citizen Herald recently had an email interview with Castro to ask him about his new role uh, and the upcoming budget season. How did you get into this line of work? Well, I got into this line of work in the public sector arena so that I could assist with community concerns, provide stakeholders with information required to make informed decisions, and influence a warm and positive working environment in the workplace. What are your career goals? To enhance my knowledge, skills, and abilities in the workplace with uh, statutory requirements. To keep up with the changing environment and with community needs. To encourage others to participate in the public sector arena and to continue with professional development. How will your role change with this reclassification? With this reclassification, I will have the ability to request and deliver information in a higher capacity in order to get the job done. And the final question, what will be challenging about the upcoming budget season? The challenge for the upcoming budget season, as in the past years, is to review next year's competing resources requests and what the total requested amount will be at the end of the day. And now on to Claire. Thank you, Bob. New Year, New High School Start Times in the Fall of 2019 by Joanna K. Zavellis. The school committee voted unanimously on December 18 to support a pilot program to start school later at Belmont High School for the 2019-2020 school year. Currently, Belmont High School starts at 7.35 a.m., during the pilot program, Belmont High School will start a half hour later at 8.05 a.m. According to Superintendent John Phelan, in his December newsletter, three surveys were sent to parents, guardians, students, and staff last spring by the High School Start Time Task Force regarding a later school start time for the high school. Phelan stated, the recommendation of the task force is to pilot this later start time at the high school for one year to inform a larger conversation about the possibility of implementing later start times district-wide. During this year, we will get feedback from teachers and the community. We will see what the traffic and safety issues are for parents and guardians of our grades 8 to 12 school community in early January, wrote Phelan. A memorandum to the School Committee Policy Subcommittee from Phelan on December 10th states, the American Academy of Pediatrics recognizes insufficient sleep in adolescents as an important public health issue that significantly affects the health and academic success of our nation's middle and high school students. In addition, research also suggests that delaying start times can counter chronic sleep loss, and have positive effects on physical and mental health and academic achievement. Now over to Max. Thank you, Claire. Paved Path Breaks Ground on a Watertown-Cambridge Greenway by Daniel Anthony Delishiai. 
Soon cyclists and pedestrians will be able to travel down a smooth paved path through Fresh Pond into Watertown. Last week, state and local officials broke ground on the Watertown-Cambridge Greenway, a 1.25-mile paved path that will run along an old railroad bed connecting the Charles River Path System, the Minuteman Bikeway, the Alewife Greenway, and the Mystic River Reservation. Part of the Greenway will be parallel to the existing dirt path in the woods next to Fresh Pond, and the rest continues along a bed through Watertown behind the Mount Auburn Cemetery, finally connecting to the Watertown Greenway. In 2013, the City of Cambridge and the Massachusetts Department of Conservation and Recreation, DCR, each bought part of the long out-of-use railroad track, which once carried trains laden with ice cut from Fresh Pond, for a total of approximately $1.5 million, according to Bill Dagnan, Cambridge Transportation Program Manager. The construction costs the construction cost bid came in at about $3.5 million, added Dagnan, in an email interview. The goal is a 12-foot wide path with two-foot shoulders on each side. This side makes it possible for, quote, a huge variety of people, both in the neighborhood as well as regionally, to use this path for transportation, for recreation, to go for a walk with your dog, or to reach Fresh Pond. Before the project began, the railroad track was not as pretty as the rest of the Fresh Pond area. It was a right-of-way full of trash and years and years of debris dumped by the railroad and was certainly not a healthy green space, said Dagnan. The current main path at Fresh Pond is open for walkers, dog walkers, and bikers. Some think the new bike path will make the current path less crowded. Back to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues, Claire and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings Around Belmont.